your goodness will lead us home. Your goodness will lead us home. God, we thank you so much that you love us, that you love this world. We ask us now that you would deepen our understanding of that love and that we would live in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Whenever you read the gospel, Christ himself is speaking to you. And while you read, you are praying and talking with him. If you're allowed just one book to take to a desert island... I would certainly take the Bible, but within that, if you said there's 66 books, which book would then you take if they're all loose leaf editions? What would you take? The fire and brimstone and challenge of Revelation, the beginnings and stories of Genesis? I have to say that I would take John's Gospel. The words of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the way they are described, the depth with which they are lovingly described in John's Gospel speaks my heart, not just to my head. There is no incarnation in Islam. There is a prophet. In Buddhism, there are principles to live by. In Judaism, there are leaders, prophets, and laws which share much wisdom for living. But as Christians, we believe in a personal Savior. Jesus says, I am. And as Christians, we believe that God was in Jesus Christ. And in John's Gospel, the challenge this morning for us is that he says more than simply follow me. Follow me is challenging enough. But I want to go further this morning. In the service of recommitment and of joining their church. Because Jesus says to us, become like me. Do the things that I do and live in my love. Over the past nine weeks, we have been presented with startling images of who Jesus is. Jesus, the living Word of God, the pre-existent Word, who was there before time. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Word that became flesh, that tabernacled amongst us. An Old Testament Word. Jesus, the Healer. Jesus, the miracle maker. Jesus, the bread of life. 
Jesus, the light of the world. And Jesus, who we didn't study this, but says almost at the height of his I am sayings, at the end of chapter 8, he says, I am. Jesus, who mixed with guests at a village wedding, with a rejected woman, with a disabled man. This is what we've been reading of. This is the Jesus that we follow. In hope they have found healing and wholeness, have found acceptance, hope and fullness of life. Jesus has challenged the big powerful religious leaders to say, humble yourself, become like a child and be born again. Get off your hobby horse. What about you? Who do you say Jesus is? Who is he for you in your life? got the picture here of the Last Supper. Each of the faces looking towards Jesus who you don't see have different thoughts, different place from Jesus. Each of them are at a different distance, have stories to tell, have struggles, have joys, have a relationship with the one they called Rabbi. What about you this morning? Were you in the crowd at the wedding in chapter 2 and were curious as to what was going on? Did you come sheepishly? Sorry to the quote earlier. With, with Nicodemus, because no matter what others had said, you had to find out for yourself. Did you see the look on the, the face of the Samaritan woman when Jesus asked her for a drink? Did you see her face? Were you there when Jesus healed the cripple? When the men exclaimed loudly and exuberantly that he could see again. Were you one of the hungry ones at the giant picnic? Was it your sandwiches he took? Today in chapter 10 we meet Jesus the good shepherd. A very familiar image down the centuries because it has been so central to the Christian faith. On reading this, immediately people would have listened or read, thinking about a king and his people. Again, a very Jewish symbol. I just want to make one point from the story this morning that builds on what we've been learning through John's Gospel. And and the point is about the intimacy of this image. The intimacy of this image. Jesus continually in John's Gospel talks about Me and my Father. We've noticed that. We haven't dwelt on it. But again, go back and read. Look at the intimacy in that relationship between the Son and the Father. And here we have this beautiful imagery of the lost sheep being looked for. And the shepherd saying, no, I know I've got 99, but there's one that's lost. I know it's dark. I know I've got other things to do, but I'm going to look for it. And picking up that sheep and putting it on his shoulders and carrying it home and celebrating. Now maybe it's, if you want to click on Beth, um, not far from Stonehaven, there's an RSPB reserve at Felhuch Croton, just down the road at Catalan. Um, And if you go there, uh, there's about 130,000 birds that can be there. And if you go there at the right time in springtime, 
It's a fearful and a wonderful sight. You've got to watch where you step. You're at the cliffs and there's the, you know, the birds' droppings. But the sight is remarkable. If you come a few weeks later, you can see young birds learning to fly. But the point that I want to make is when you see a bird coming back from the sea and its mouth full of fish or something, it's a mother bird. On the cliffside, there are 130,000 little chicks squeaking for their mother. I'm here, it's me, it's me. Pushing and shoving and falling over and jumping around on the edge of that cliff saying, me, me, feed me, feed me. Have you heard it? Have you, have you seen that kind of thing? It's remarkable. Because the mother hears the cry of that one chick out of the 130,000. We first lived in Camborne. Um, we lived in Willow Lane, um, not far from the tennis court, number one. Um, and Matt and Steph live there now. And it was a summer's evening, um, and the window was open, thankfully. Um, and just with complete deep sleep, and I heard this voice shout out. And because it was Ruri, because it was my eldest son, I was awoken. He had managed to get out of his cot, down the stairs, open the door, and heading towards a play park at two in the morning. <laughs> I mean, what are his parents thinking about? I mean, I think he'd be an escapologist, if nothing else, in his life. But what was stunning was that his voice penetrated our deepest sleep because he was my son. And of course, in my foolishness, I opened the window and shouted, Rory, what do you think you're doing? <laughs> My goodness, all the lights of neighbours went on. I thought, oh no. <laughs> because the bit in the passage that I caught was the sheep know my voice. Did you see that this morning? The sheep know my voice. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, there is a yes that reverberates not just in our heads, but in our hearts and in our whole bodies when God speaks to us. I don't think many people have heard an audible voice. People would say, God speaks. How does God speak? Have you heard? What does it sound like? Has he got a Liverpudlian accent? No, of course, he'd be Scottish. No, but... When God speaks, God speaks to our whole being, I think. I don't, I'd be interested to hear from you how you'd answer that question, how God speaks to you. Where does God speak to you? When does God speak to you? But for me, often it's an overwhelming affirmation that says, yes, that is right, or here I am, or a deep sense of peace to know that, yes, the door you're pushing is the right one. The sheep Know my voice. We have this powerful Old Testament imagery of Jesus as the good shepherd, as the gate who lies across the sheepfold to protect them in case anything was to happen to them. The intimacy of that relationship. So I'm going to come back again and ask you what you make of Jesus Christ. Because I left in the, the bit at the end of the, the, the chapter which said, oh, he's a nutter. Do you see the end of our chapter today? Again, people are still saying he's a nutter. He's demon-possessed. What about you? 
Or does he just figure with equally amongst figures from EastEnders? You know, interesting, but at a distance. What place does Jesus have in our lives? I do think we need to struggle to establish ourselves a historical truth and veracity of the gospel. And can I remind you that there's more truth that Jesus existed than Julius Caesar? Can I remind you of the numbers of copies of the New Testament that were made more than any other historical book of that time and period? Copied word for word because this was the word of life that they're dealing with. And they wanted to share God's love and God's life. And people have said, how could Jesus know that he say these things? How could he say these things? Because I believe as a Jew, he had an understanding of his vocation. That his was a flowering out of the Jewish tradition. And not against it. But a, a flourishing, a flowering of that. Jesus shows us what God is like. That's why we need to again look at our Gospels. There's a lot more chat about God these days. But as Christians, when someone says to you, do you believe in God? You might as well say, well, which God? As Christians, Jesus shows us what God is like. Look at the gospel. That's the God that we worship. Not a faraway vague concept, but a God who mixes with the most unlikely people, who deals in healing and hope and resurrection. Read the Gospels. There's the God that we follow. Jesus shows us what God is like. So I want to, again, come back to that question. Who is Jesus for you? We often talk about Jesus as as followers of Jesus. But maybe that's too comfortable because then you can be at a distance and the following can get so the person's out of sight. Yeah, I used to be a follower, but they, they went so far ahead of me. The gap, I just became conscious of the gap between me and Jesus. I wasn't, he wasn't walking alongside me, but he became this size into the future. And I felt my life was that far behind him. Think about yourself, Jesus. Where are you in your relationship with Jesus? In chapter 1, when we saw the disciples thinking about their discipleship, you know what Jesus says? He says to them, when they say, who are you? He says, come and see. What a fantastic thing to say. Come and see for yourself. Come and see. Don't read all this book. Don't go and hear somebody. Come and see for yourself who I am. They were looking for the Messiah. What they didn't realize was the Messiah was looking for them. Jesus says to the woman at the well, come and drink the water. Come, come on, drink the water. Taste and see. He says to the blind man, believe and see. Jesus wants to share with us the life of God. I have come that you may have life and life in its fullness. And so as we bring to an end our studies in John's gospel, I want to encourage you in thinking about who Jesus is for you in our following But also in in John, Jesus invites us to become like him, to do the things that he does, and to share in the life of God. Are you willing to go that far? That's about the inside, not just the distant observation and the curiosity and the fascination. 
It's taking it further. And calling God Father, do you do that? Do you participate and share in that intimacy? That daring, awesome thing to do? When you pray, do it this way. Our Father. God, change me. Change my character. That's what, to become like Jesus. God's got, God loves us so much, he doesn't leave us the way that we are. He wants us to become like him. Come on, God, change my character. You know, I struggle with certain attributes, the way my attitudes. God, change me. Don't just let me think that Christian faith's about doing, but change me as a person. And do what Jesus does. Look in the gospel, see what Jesus does. Why don't you do some of that? Mix with those kind of people. To bring life. And finally, Jesus wants to, us to share in the life of God, the life of the Trinity. Do you want to click on? Some of the images there of who Jesus is through John's Gospel. But the richness of John's Gospel, please go and read it again. And read it again. And when you finish that, you realize you haven't read it properly. Jesus, the Lamb of God. Jesus, the Word of God. Jesus, the living water. Jesus, the light of the world. How our world needs Jesus. And it's all there. The church took three centuries to realize that the Trinity was there. But John wrote it down. If you look and read John's Gospel, there is that intimacy of relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. We haven't seen too much of that, but as it goes on, if you read on from chapter 10, you realize that we're invited to participate in that relationship, that interdependence, that mutuality, that love incomparable. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. Let's pray. God, with all the stuff that bombards us in our lives, the good stuff, the bad stuff, we ask that we would see Jesus, that we would know for ourselves your love for us, for our neighbor, for Camborne, for this world. God, would you help us as we look to follow you, to work out what that means. God, would you come and change us that we are like you and that we may participate in you and in your love. Holy Spirit, this is your work. And so we invite you to be at work in our lives. For the sake of Jesus, for the sake of the world. Amen.